0: You're traveling through another dimension, a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of one's fears and the summit of one's knowledge. You are now traveling through a dimension of imagination. You just crossed over into the Twilight Zone.
1: Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and if this is your first time listening, Anthology is one man's examination of the Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer. Each podcast, I share my first impressions, analysis, and overall thoughts on Rod Serling's iconic series, one episode at a time. However, in this bonus episode series, I'm reviewing, uh, Monkey Paw Productions', um, Twilight Zone reboot on CBS All Access, hosted by Jordan Peele. You can find more of Anthology as well as a full episode archive at AnthologyPod.com. And if you want to contact me, you can use the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AnthologyPod, tweet me at ovanthologypod, or send an email to matt at obsessiveviewer.com. And so, Today is actually a very special episode because for two reasons. One, uh, I finished my reviews of The Twilight Zone, (laughs) uh, the new series, and it is, uh, it's, it's nice to finally have that just there. It's, I've got those reviews done and everything's, uh, complete until next season. (laughs) So, uh that's great and then also for the other reason is that i am joined by my friend and co-host from my other podcasts uh, anthony tiny ramian hello hi tiny welcome to the show thank you ah does it feel weird i think i've done this whole i think i did this whole bit when you were on for the time element but does it feel weird
2: yeah uh, you know
1: oh okay Cause you're, you're in my house now. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> we're always at your house.
1: Yeah. Well, that's true. This is the obsessive Your studios. Physically. Um, yes. But, um, uh, but yeah, you're the guest. Don't speak until you're spoken to. Okay. Yes, um, sir. Yeah, um, anyway, just kidding. <laughs> um, so today on the podcast, we're going to be discussing, uh, just our overall thoughts on season one of The Twilight Zone on CBS All Access. Never heard of it. Yeah. Well, that's going to make for a fun conversation. <laughs> JK. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let's talk about you, Tiny. Okay. Um, so you've been on the podcast before. Um, I have. Twice, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were on for the time element, and then you were also on with the special relaunch episode because I kind of just did that on a whim. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so my listeners are familiar with, uh, your voice, and I say my listeners, there is uh, quite a bit of overlap among the three podcasts, but. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kind of feel like a lot more people listen to this podcast than the other two. Yeah. So uh specific. Yeah. 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 Uh but you know, watch out, Anthology, because Tower Junkies is coming for you.
2: TJ. Yeah. On the mic.
1: If we can ever get more consistent with
2: that <laughs> Yeah, ever.
1: Uh yeah. So anyway, uh tell us about your history with uh the Twilight Zone and the the podcast like how much of a fan you are of it
2: well it was a a a dreary tuesday night in 1987 bonnie ramian was on her way to the hospital i'm kidding um did you do that before (laughs) i think i have done that before yeah i can't can't remember
1: (laughs) if that was like for the time element or not
2: it probably was i
1: i don't know yeah that's good nice
2: it's like we're in an episode of the twilight zone
1: it is it's like I'm reliving this conversation.
2: It's about deja vu. Yes. Anyways. Oh oh, um, you could
1: have had so much fun on the Patreon stuff because I would really <sighs> have asked you so many questions about Twilight Zone. Uh, anyway, go yeah. ahead.
2: Um, I have a pretty unfamiliar fleeting relationship with the Twilight Zone. Um, up until you started the podcast, mm-hmm. I had seen a handful of episodes as a kid and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's my only relationship to the show. Interesting. Um, and I don't even really remember them that well, but I remember yeah. being a little bit freaked out, or creeped out, or intrigued mm-hmm. by them. I, I I remember that. And then I, I I have a lot of respect for the show just because of its uh, place in the echelon of science fiction and mm-hmm. and and television in general. Um, so I have a lot of respect for the show. But I just I haven't seen a lot of it. And and the original series. I'm I'm like halfway through the first season. I've mm-hmm. probably seen 15 episodes or so. Nice. Um, and for whatever reason, I just don't find myself watching it because I think it, it, it's one of those things where I feel like because of the weight of the show and the mm-hmm. uh, the intelligence of the show, I feel like I really need to be in the zone to watch it. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> pun, you can only
1: watch it at twilight. Pun not intended. Um. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. So I I I feel myself almost avoiding it a lot of the time for that reason. Um, and I'll end up watching some, something random or whatever. Um, but my, my goal is to watch, you know, all, was it four seasons of the original five, five seasons of the original, uh, series, um, and making my way through all of it. Like I, Mm -hmm. I want to do that eventually. And whenever I watch it, I'm (laughs) yeah. whenever I watch it, I'm like, holy shit, this is great. I I need to watch more of it and I really like it and it's great. Um, but, but for the reasons I stated, I'm, it's, it's being, it's a very slow burn for yeah. me. So.
1: That's interesting because if I didn't have this podcast or anything, like I would have eventually watched it. Like I would have, I would eventually have taken the plunge. Cause I think the, one of the big reasons why I started the podcast was I wanted to watch it. But also, the, one of the reasons I wanted to watch it was cause I really loved Black Mirror. And everyone was like, oh, it's like the Twilight Zone with technology you now. Mm-hmm. Um, which now that I'm two seasons, teasing, Two seasons deep in the Twilight Zone, I know that that's they're very different shows. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're only kind of similar in certain respects. But um, if I didn't have the uh the burden of this show, I would have flown through the Twilight Zone. Like I would have mm. binged it and rewatched it and everything. Really? Yeah, because. It's. I mean, their twenty-five-minute episodes are easily digestible, but they they pack an emotional punch and everything. But if I didn't, if I wasn't uh, so um, uh, focused on this being like a first-time viewer podcast of it, um, I would have flown through it. But yeah, I have to pace myself, right? And sometimes that means taking a one-year hiatus, <laughs> um, in which I don't get to watch any Twilight Zone. Yeah. Um. Hopefully that will never happen again, guys. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so uh, let's talk a little bit more about you and then we'll talk about the new series. Um, so introduce for, for the audience, like you, who you are, our connection, uh, and, and I did this the last time you were on, but, um, pitch me the two podcasts that we do.
2: <laughs> um, so I know Matt from quote unquote back in the day. Yes. Uh, we kind of grew up together. We met in junior high. And, uh, we became friends and reconnected more after high school slash college Mm -hmm. and worked together for years, uh, at night at a security job, uh, and just talked about like movies and TV shows all the Mm -hmm. time. And so, uh, we had a friend who was into podcasting. And so he was like, you guys should start a podcast. You guys should start a podcast. You guys should start a podcast told us for a long time and so yeah. we finally decided to do it and that became the obsessive viewer
1: now what's the obsessive viewer
2: <laughs> where we talk about <clears throat> movies and tv shows yeah. on a regular basis um, sounds
1: like a really broad podcast <laughs> it is very broad <laughs> um would
2: have benefited from being a more niche podcast a <laughs> little bit a little bit um we but it's uh it's it's a fun podcast it's evolved a lot over over the years uh we had a steady third host for a couple years, and then he got married, got married, and had a couple kids, and he was in school, and he doesn't have a life basically. Right. Or actually, he has a life. Yeah, um, he has a, a huge life, uh, mm-hmm. and so he didn't have time for the podcast, and so it's kind of the both just the two of us now, and we've had some more hosts come in, and mm-hmm. um, right. we had like topic-driven episodes for a while, and and themes that we would follow and stuff like that, and given episodes. Um, it's kind of evolved more into a lot of reviews. Yeah. Um, uh, recently over the last year or so, which is great. So that's the obsessive viewer. And then, uh, I think we've both been big Stephen King fans for years since we mm-hmm. were kids pretty much. And it's, it blossomed more when we had that job because we had, yeah. had a lot of time to read in that job. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we, when we were in that job, we both read, uh, Stephen King's The Dark Tower series at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took each of us about a year.
1: Yeah. God, that was so cool. It was. That was it was really cool. so much fun to
2: read. And yeah, yeah that was and fun. to read it together and talk about it. Really yeah. Cool. That was great. So, uh, for, stemming from that, we started a uh, Stephen King podcast, uh, which originally was supposed to be mostly about the dark tower. It's called mm. Tower Junkies. Um, but it's more of a general Stephen King podcast. Yeah. I think that's kind of, that was, we kind of had to steer it in that direction. Yeah. There's only so much you can really. I mean, there's tons of content we could do about The Dark Tower, but it's mm-hmm. such a huge thing to tackle, um, and there's so much going on in the Stephen King-verse yeah. right now uh, with adaptations and stuff like that, and uh, it's really exciting. So, yeah, we talk about The Dark Tower and a bunch of other Stephen mm-hmm. King properties. Uh, we review the adaptations, uh, short stories, news, mm-hmm. um, and we're reading the books, all the millions of novels he's written it yeah. seems like um There's no
1: shortage of content
2: yeah not yeah. at all not at all so what's
1: coming up on tower junkies do you do you think <laughs> uh
2: well we we have a few books read that we need to review yeah, uh we do. the tommy knockers we need to yeah. we need to review that and uh the outsider which came out two years ago last That's right yeah year? is that his most recent book came out last year came out last year um, I no see, he released uh, elevation
1: uh, uh, elevation yeah which, which you read, didn't you? I did, yes. Okay.
2: Which we also need to review.
1: Yeah, we need to review that.
2: So, those are the two books we need to re- review and then um we are probably well, I'm not sure when these are going to come out, but there was recent uh recently a trailer released for Doctor Sleep. Yeah. which is a sequel to The Shining. Um which uh, watched the trailer and I was like, "Holy shit, this is amazing." I I knew nothing about Doctor Sleep and so mm. seeing seeing the trailer, I was like, "Wow, this is just reigniting uh passion for the shining cuz i mm-hmm. i haven't read that book since i was a kid and so right. i was like i'm going to resubscribe to audible i'm going to download <laughs> uh the shining and i'm going to listen to it just based on this trailer cuz i was so excited nice. about it so we're going to do a review of the shining book and the shining movie and the shining series and then we want to read doctor sleep and i think by the time we get those four reviews done and some of that other stuff i mentioned the film will have come out yep uh, also it part 2 mhm man there's just a lot like i said it's a very exciting time in this yeah. stephen king verse mm-hmm. so uh yeah that we 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 got a lot on our plates we do oh yeah with those oh, two yeah. podcasts so yeah so uh
1: look forward to more unannounced hiatuses on anthology <laughs> yeah, <all> that's right <laughs> i'm just kidding guys i promise i swear <laughs> um so yeah so uh, going back to twilight zone and everything how did you feel going into season one of this new series like do, were you excited about jordan peele's take although people say like oh jordan peele's twilight zone he he's a producer on it so i don't know. He, yeah you didn't have as
2: much input as like serling did right but, right yeah i i was pretty excited for excited for it um when it was originally announced, I saw the headline, and I was like, oh, crap. And then I was like – then I saw on CBS, and I was like, oh, okay. Mm. That's, that was the biggest kicker for me or the biggest crutch. That it was on CBS? That it was Access. on network. Um, oh, that it was on, on CBS? A network, just... CBS in general. Because oh, okay. I was like, it's – the Twilight Zone is begging for, uh, you know, a cable. Or, See,
1: that's really interesting.
2: Or, Or – uh, Netflix or Amazon or something like that. That's, that's what I wanted it to be on. Okay.
1: Do, you, when you say that, is it just in terms of like production value or like content wise? Cause like the Both. original, okay. Cause like the original, like one of the things that people have been complaining about with the new season is that, uh, the original is timeless and uh, it's also frame, family friendly. Like you can introduce it to your kids and stuff and like all that. But like people are like, well, you know, they're, they're cursing in the Twilight Zone now, and that's, rah, rah, yeah. uh, which, there's like one episode where I was like, okay, that's a little overdoing it, with right? The, with the profanity, but, um, do you think, do you, did you feel any, cause you said that you're about halfway through the first season, did you feel like watching these episodes, did you feel like it was, content wise, it was too severe, or did it not register with you?
2: I think, I think why I was hesitant about CBS is just the fact that, the networks are so formulaic, and mm-hmm. they they want to they want they want their shows to fit into boxes. Yeah, and the Twilight Zone is the definition of outside the box, right? And I was like, that is it. Just seemed like the worst fit for me, mm-hmm. uh, to me. Anyway, that's that's how that's how networks. That's what networks have evolved into. Mm-hmm. I think back in the day, what network was Twilight Zone on originally? CBS. CBS. Okay. Yep. Like fifty years ago. CBS was a completely different animal. Network right. TV was a completely different thing. Mm. Um, but it's... Like I said, it's just evolved. It was the only game in town. Right. It was... Really? The only, right, yeah. yeah. And so that's where all the innovation was on the networks. Yeah. And that was great. And, like, I respect them for that. But I feel like the networks are just dying. I feel like none, none of the innovation in television is on networks anymore. Yeah. Maybe a tiny percent.
1: I... You know, it's funny, and this is a slight tangent, but, like, there's... A show coming out on CBS called The Unicorn. Are you familiar with that at all?
2: No. So
1: so I'm probably going to check it out. Just you'll know why here in a second. But um, it's about like a recently widowed Walton Goggins uh, striking out on in like the dating world and everything. But it's like the trailer. It looks kind of charming because he's just he's he, like he has a good persona, good energy mm-hmm. for the role. But it's also like this is the same freaking sitcom that we've seen for the last like for several decades at this point. Like, right. it's just, it's it's just so formulaic and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and it's funny you said that, you know, the Twilight Zone belongs, like, on, like, cable or having that kind of freedom and stuff, because that mm-hmm. kind of reminds me, um, of, like, The Outer Limits. Because The Outer Limits was on. Showtime? Uh, well, the original series, I think, was on ABC. Oh, okay. Back in the late 60s, mid to late 60s, and then the relaunch or the re- revival was on Showtime and then moved to sci-fi. Oh, okay. Um, and that ran for like seven seasons. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so that's just, it's it's interesting. I It's interesting, and I guess I could ask you this, because I don't think I've ever really asked you this. How do you feel about the sci-fi anthology format, the anthology format of standalone episodes of TV telling a self-contained story?
2: In well particular it's sci-fi also yeah most of it is pretty um pretty famous i mean like yeah. the twilight zone is is yeah. obviously the shining example um it's it it's a great format for sci-fi mystery horror mm-hmm. the the uh, genre bending that the twilight zone does yeah. um anthology is just perfect for that i feel like i so much so much adaptations and and stories are pushed into long format Mm -hmm. or or like i feel like a lot of famous stuff is novels and movies and i think we've kind of lost touch with the short story if you will yeah that's kind of what anthology sci-fi is it's kind of short stories Mm -hmm. and uh and i feel like i feel like those genres mystery uh horror and sci-fi adapt well to an anthology format Mm -hmm. i I feel like i feel like it's a it's a good marriage of of genre and format yeah because it's a
1: different world every episode
2: right right and i I, you know there there can be there can be pitfalls and it's not it's not to say that horror and mystery and sci-fi don't adapt well to an hour and a half long movie i'm not Mm -hmm. i'm not or a giant novel i'm not i'm not saying that um arguably the greatest sci-fi novel of all time is dune Mm sci-fi you know that's it's a big deal but um for whatever reason, it just works. Um, it, like if you look at some of the old episodes of The Twilight Zone, what they're able to achieve in twenty-five minutes is really impressive. Oh yeah. Um, like my favorite episode, vintage episode. Like I said, I've only seen about fifteen of them. Is I don't even remember what it's called. Uh, the one with the robot where the guys the on robot. the the is on isolated on the planet. Yeah. Um, which is a the theme I mention a lot on this podcast. It's one of my favorite plot devices, isolation. Mm-hmm. I, I love. One of my favorite movies is The Thing. Yeah. Because they're in, you know, they're isolated in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that aspect really drew me into the episode. And I just, what they're able to achieve in that 25 minutes of that episode is really impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, you would think that would be the emotional ride you go through. You would think that would take 90 minutes for a full feature length, but they achieve it in 25 minutes. Yeah. It's really impressive. So the, the format is, is great. I mean, look at how successful Black Mirror has become. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, sci-fi anthology's kind of been revived uh, through that show mm-hmm. um but yeah it's i i kind of want to say that i want more of it but i i another thing i say all the time is that less is more when it comes to television and, and movies yeah. uh, i think i think less is more and so i i don't want to see a bunch of imitation shows show up where they're trying to pull-off anthology stuff and
1: uh, same here just for my sanity <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i'd have to cover them <laughs> right um it's funny though because like i have been talking about in in the main episodes um recently i i made the decision because I, I was doing bonus bonus reviews pairing pairing a, a classic science fiction movie or, or show to the episode i was reviewing And then after the relaunch, I stopped. And then after, like, five episodes of just doing just the Twilight Zone, I was like, yeah, I'll throw in science fiction theater also. So I've been doing that. I've been, like, pairing up, just going chronologically through science fiction theater. So more work on my part, but, you know, whatever. But it's fun and and it's interesting because science fiction theater is 1955 to 1957. But, like, what I keep coming back to is, like, several of the episodes I've had, or that I've seen have been like establishing like a supernatural or, or uh, a, some kind of scientific phenomenon, and then a mystery surrounding that, and like them, like people, the characters trying to figure it out through science. And like mm. sometimes it's supernatural, sometimes it's like otherworldly stuff. But like there are a couple episodes where it's just like there is a completely rational explanation for it, and like just that concept, I think would be really good to revive. Like, for modern audiences, like, mm-hmm. have, like, Bill Nye host, like, in, like, the Rod Starling role where they're, like, hosting, uh, hosting the show, and then, like, have it be, like, based, like, kind of hard sci-fi, but based in, like, fact. Hmm. Um, I just think that would be pretty cool. That'd be
2: interesting, yeah. Yeah.
1: But we're talking about the Twilight Zone. Yeah. So, uh, you were excited for season one. You were excited for the new series. Um, I was pestering the shit out of you to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, overall thoughts on season one and then I think it would be fun to kind of go through episode by episode and just get like brief uh, thoughts on it so sure. how did you feel overall with season one of the Twilight Zone did it meet <laughs> your expectations did it do anything surprising um, how did you feel and uh,
2: yeah well before we get into it too much I I wanted to talk about CBS All Access a little bit oh, first yes because I have some thoughts on it but mm. um, I'm glad that uh, that a network is going for the whole digital thing mm-hmm. uh, and streaming and stuff like that. I'm, I'm happy. Um, but, uh, I'm pissed off or bummed to report that it's just not a very good platform. Yeah. The user interface was, has not been enjoyable for me. I think it's, it's very, it's a very freshman effort. <laughs> uh, I don't feel like CBS put a lot of effort into it. Um, and I feel like it's, it's just classic network attitude. Like we don't, we're cbs we don't have to make something real flashy and special yeah which is just the c- complete wrong attitude to have um if you look at the the interfaces for any of the other mm-hmm. services hbo go or, or hulu netflix amazon they're all much more friendly and enjoyable and cbs all access sucks mm-hmm. um and then like paying for the base the base thing you still get ads which i'm not an ad fiend like that doesn't i i don't Go nuts about that Like I'm fine right. with them It's not a big deal But It just makes it I just wasn't happy Because it, Because it's not a good The app is not smooth And well produced right. It's not It's not a smooth production It doesn't
1: and it's, It crapped on you
2: It crapped on me A couple a times. times Yeah. Yeah And still Like uh, the first I watched the first Two episodes And it just screwed me over mm. um, Like it, it would cut off The episode And then I tried to Go back to the episode And it won't let me Fast forward at all God. Like you can't fast forward at all. Like you have to sit there and watch the whole episode, mm. and like so, like the end of the. I've still never seen the end of the comedian. Oh, really? <clears throat> still haven't seen it because. Wow. Yeah.
1: Oh man, that sucks. <laughs> I know. What, at um, what point did it cut off?
2: Like five minutes before the end, something like okay. that. Okay.
1: By the way, we're going to be spoiling the entire season, guys. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. So. Do you want me to tell you what happens at the end? Well, I listened to your episode. Oh, okay. So. Well, never mind then. Yeah, I kind of. Thank know what you. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. Uh. So yeah, like I. It, it's just not. It's it's been a little disappointing and I understand if it would be a little buggy or whatever. It's, you know, their first try at it and I can understand. The they've had Star Trek Discovery and it's been two seasons. That's true, yeah. Like they,
1: they've had CBS All Access has been a thing for a while.
2: I forgot about that. Yeah, and it's just like so, fix it. <laughs> yeah, just, it's... Just fix it. And still like when I watched, um, I, I gave the app another shot and, and like I, I probably went a month without watching any more, more episodes because mm-hmm. I was just pissed off about the app, maybe like six weeks. <clears throat> but I finally went back to it and it was, it was a little better. It was a little, I don't know if they actually changed something or if whatever, but yeah. um, it's still like when I would play an episode, you get an ad first, which, okay, whatever, not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But it would, it would skip like whatever the length of the ad was, mm-hmm. it would jump to that. Time point in the episode. Oh God! So it'd be like, it'd be like 90 seconds of ads, and it, it would start the episode at the 90 second part oh. point. Yeah. Oh. So then I'd have to rewind and go back to the beginning.
1: That's annoying.
2: It happened like three times.
1: Were you using like your Roku or Smart? <sighs> uh, TV? Amazon Fire Stick. Amazon Fire Stick. Yeah. Huh.
2: And it did it on? I used my phone too. I watched a few episodes on my phone and did it on there too. Jesus. Yeah, I was pretty annoyed.
1: It's interesting because I have the ad free. Version right, and uh I didn't have any of those problems. Obviously, yeah. But what I've heard also is that the ads are so repetitious. Yeah, they are. And like that would that would bother me way too much. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 such a weird time to, to be TV fans. Yeah. Um, because it's the landscape is changing so quickly. Yeah. Um, like I I was so, uh, I've been such a proponent of, or I've been I've been kind of. Going against the grain of like people saying like um saying like oh I don't want to get another another streaming service and it, like that old argument just really gets under my skin because it's like no one's forcing you to have all of these yeah. streaming services at once like drop Netflix for a month and watch the Twilight Zone and then drop CBS All Access and get Netflix like yeah just it it's that some it's literally that simple <laughs> um but like I remember like the, like. i i don't know i feel like part of the part of the problem is that cbs all access is tied to cbs so like there's this kind of underlying kind of idea of like well they're a network they should just be network stuff yeah um which i can kind of get but
2: it's i don't want that either though i don't want to force anybody to stay stay don't you don't have to stay in your lane exactly yeah if they want to branch out go ahead and branch out but i'm not impressed yeah i'll put it that way right from their standpoint, not with mm. the Twilight Zone show, but uh, right.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, their show, The Good Fight, that's on CBS All Access, which is a spinoff of the Good Wife show. Okay. Um, they announced that starting in July, they're actually going to be airing the good The Good Fight episodes on CBS, like over the over the year. Mm, okay. Um, and they're going to have like bleeps and stuff because it has. Uh, cursing and everything in it gotcha and i wonder if they're gonna do that for the twilight zone like i would Mm. i would love that because it would get more eyes on the twilight zone totally um but yeah so uh having said that what did you think of season one overall just kind of in broad terms um i thought it was pretty solid
2: uh i you asked before i had my diatribe there about the app itself (laughs) but you asked about my expectations or if it met my expectations and i i'm sorry to say it didn't i i was expecting a little bit more from it um i feel like there's some element that's missing from it and I can't put my finger on it. I, I just don't know what it is. I feel like the original series the 15 episodes or so that I watched, um, the word that comes to mind is it was just incredibly innovative and, mm-hmm. or, and original. And I feel like this season didn't quite have that element to it. Sure. Didn't quite have that aspect. It didn't feel innovative. Not, but I don't want, I don't mean that, to say that the episodes are derivative or unoriginal. I'm not saying that. It just doesn't feel like... It doesn't... I I haven't... I didn't really feel like completely blown away by anything or or just absolutely sucked in and just edge of my seat for pretty much any of it, really. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I was intrigued by quite a bit of it, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't... I wasn't on the edge of my... I didn't fall asleep for any of it or anything. I mean, it, it wasn't... It wasn't... I don't think there was anything that was truly bad, like bad mm-hmm. television. Um, but there's, did you,
1: did you, did you watch the wonder kid? I did. <laughs> I did. We'll
2: get to it. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I feel like, but, but I'm happy with the, the effort of it. Like I feel, I feel like it's all, it's all well written. I feel like everyone's heart was in the right place. Mm-hmm. I, the casting, I loved all the casting was fantastic. Yeah. All the, all the stars in it and, uh, familiar faces were, were great. Um, um, and I, I enjoy the hell out of Jordan Peel. I think he's got a great demeanor. Mm. I think he's he's not trying to be Rod Sterling. Right. Which is he nobody can be, so why yeah. would you even try? Oh, yeah. Um I think he's doing a great job. I, I like his his narration in him in the episodes. Um so yeah, there's there's tons of stuff to like, but I feel like I just feel like there's something missing that I can't I feel like it's one of those things where you know it when you see it. Yeah. But it's hard to elaborate on what it is. That's um, interesting. That's yeah
1: yeah and uh i mean i've i've poured over probably over 12 hours hours of audio at this point yeah into the internet <laughs> into the internet right <laughs> uh talking about this show yeah so my thoughts are out there mm-hmm. but part of like I, if i may i do feel like part of what's maybe missing uh, what was missing for me at least was characterization strong characterization okay Um, because, and we'll talk more about this in another segment later on, but it seems like it was more issue focused rather than character focused. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, like there are a couple episodes where I think they got it right. Like they got it perfect, like maybe not perfect, but they got it like they, they struck that balance really well. But like when you have episodes that are just built around a modern day like issue that they're covering Mm -hmm. like they're they are important issues that are being discussed and everything but when you build an episode around that and build characters around that particular thing there's this the element of just an organic story does not it doesn't fit into like an organic storytelling mode Mm -hmm. i think that was my biggest issue with the season overall okay yeah Yeah. um do you want to go episode by episode
2: yeah and actually what i did is i i kind of have a top 10, like I I put them in order and I thought maybe that would be the best way to run through them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have Um, a top 10 as well, but let's, I'll defer to you.
2: Okay. So, um, do you want to go number 10 to one? Yeah. In in ascending order. Yes. All right. Um, so at the number 10 spot, which you just mentioned, it was the wunderkind. Mm -hmm. the wunderkind. The wunderkind. (laughs) Um, this, uh, this was just a, a a bad idea for a show for an episode. (laughs) Um, it really should have ended up on the cutting room floor or, Mm. uh, the, when they were brainstorming this should have been in you know the discard pile yeah um i give them a little credit for trying it like mm-hmm. after the, someone got the script they should have been like okay we really can't do this because this right. is just bad we we just can't do this this the premise is just ridiculous mm-hmm. that a 12 year old would run for president it's just And then get elected. And then it's, it's just, it's just too, it's too ridiculous. It goes beyond sci-fi. It's, it's like, it's like kitsch, like kitschy or I can't even. And
1: that's, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's my number 10 as well. Okay. My favorite of the, of the season. Okay.
2: Um, but I think when we, we originally briefly talked about the episode a little bit, Mm -hmm. like, I, I love John Cho. Oh, me too. He's great. He's a really fun actor. And like, Mm -hmm. I saw him in, um, Oh my god, what was that movie he was in last year? Searching. Searching. Yeah. He was great in that oh, movie. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's 90 minutes of him, mm-hmm. his face and like it's so much of him emoting and I was like, man, that that was hard. I bet that was a really hard performance oh, absolutely. for him to do and he did a great job. That was a fun movie and I liked him a lot. Yeah. And he is trying so hard in this episode. <laughs> it's <sighs>
1: he makes he makes it watch like I- I I think I was more forgiving. I may. Well, I don't know if I would want to say this, but I was maybe one of the more forgiving Twilight Zone podcasters for that episode. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, it got, it got pretty, pretty poor, poor, was pretty poorly received. Yeah. But like my whole thing is like John Cho, like he, like that performance is so earnest. Yeah, And he's like, it's like on another level because it's like, it's clear that the episode is. I don't. I don't foresee a situation in which the atmosphere on the set was that this episode is working. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's such an absurd kind of thing. Yeah. But that's the thing. Also, is that there's no science fiction element to it. That's the. That's the biggest issue I have with yeah. it. Yeah. Is that there's no Twilight Zone element. There's no science fiction fantasy element to it. So, it's just things happen that would have been better. Better happening if there was, like, some kind of Twilight Zone element to it. But since there wasn't, it's just, like, they're asking for us to accept so much yeah, but yeah. not giving us any reason to accept it. Right.
2: And there were points throughout where I was like, oh, man, they're really doing this? Okay. <laughs> and then, like, literally at the end, I, I did one of these. I was like, I, <laughs> Like, one of those laughs. I was like, "Okay, Oh, my God. So
1: the ending, and again, we're going to be spoiling it. So when, when it's revealed that the Doctor is a kid... Yeah. <laughs> I... I loved it. Oh, really? I, I really <laughs> did. And I said something maybe controversial on the podcast, but I felt like that was the most Twilight Zone this season of Twilight Zone up to that point yeah. had
2: been. I thought that was very Twilight zone oh, yes, that ending nice. was, but it was just, it was a kid wearing an oversized scrub it's or whatever, so, or yeah. smock, whatever you want to call it.
1: But what I love about it is that earlier in the episode, it seeded so well because <laughs> I mean, just, the entire episode is so absurd. Yeah. But when the orderly or whatever's like, uh, the doctor got held up. He's on a
2: different level.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> god damn it! <laughs> like, I know
2: it's it's a super high concept episode. Oh, I mean, it's it's kind of it's it, if it weren't so dumb, it would be clever. Yeah, it's one of those kind of things.
1: And see, that's the thing. And I've recounted it on the podcast before, so I won't I won't say much about it. But like, it's clearly an allegory for Trump. And yeah. the Trump administration and everything, right? Which I'm all about. I'm so uh, all about it being an allegory for it, <laughs> right? Right. Um, but I think that the show would have been so much better suited. It falls into a thing where, when you look at the real life thing that it's that it's satir- satirizing or commenting on, there are things that have been around like the Trump administration, the behavior of like Trump himself, like on yeah. the campaign trail. That is so ridiculously over overwhelmingly like over the, tr- the top. The
2: administration is a real life satire, it, exactly. Yeah. So
1: you can't out over the top of them,
2: right. right? It's hard. It's hard to satirize something that's already
0: a satire, exactly. Basically. Yeah.
1: So like when you do that, it, you, you get something ridiculous, like oh, a twelve year old kid running for president, right? But I feel like they missed an opportunity where they could have done, they could have had that same premise introduce some kind of twilight zone element of, to it so it's at least some kind of science fiction or fantasy but like if they're going to comment on the trump administration do more trump administration stuff like have have oliver foley do trumpian things mm-hmm. that are like clearly trump just to you know show like oh well you know when you see a kid doing it it's freaking ridiculous so right. why not
2: that's true yeah
1: like they could have done that if it was more grounded in in reality i think they would have gotten the point across a lot
2: better yeah but. building the wall is a very 12 year old mindset exactly. kind of thing and yeah, yeah. And there's
1: no build the wall in this we get free video games for everyone <laughs>
2: right like
1: in the in the review i i recounted all of his campaign promises which is another like as i get farther away from it, it's like it's so stupid like yeah uh dinner is before dessert is before dinner all right um free video games for everyone uh, and there's a few other, uh, less Star Wars movies. <laughs> it's like all just stupid shit. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Um, so that's our number 10. Right. Yeah. Um, any other words on the wunderkind? The
2: um, wunderkind. the wunderkind. Uh, what was the kid's name?
1: Uh, Oliver Holy Jacob Tremblay.
2: Jacob Tremblay. Yeah. Um, he, that poor kid had nothing to work with. Yeah. He basically was just annoying the whole time. Right. I had to say that cause I, uh, heaped praise upon John Cho but right. I don't I don't blame uh Ethan Tremblay because like Jacob Jacob Tremblay um terrible just terrible writing for him yeah. he, he he had no choice but to just be annoying and yell I think the he whole did a time.
1: good enough job with yeah writing. he
2: he was fine I just yeah. I felt I felt bad for him because yeah. he just didn't have much he's to work with he's a very
1: talented actor too is like, he? Okay. he he was the kid in room
2: oh that's right he was yeah that's where I knew his name from mm-hmm. yeah anyways yep um but that so yeah it was
1: I, by the way just real quick room was just so disturbing it really like it really made me tremble. um God damn it <laughs> this is this is stuff that my anthology listeners don't get subjected to that much
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my gosh i'm sorry uh, i'll be your springboard I guess.
1: yeah so tiny uh, number
2: nine number nine is not all men oh interesting which uh I don't have a ton to say about it, but if you go back to probably the first, I'd say 70 to 100 episodes of The Obsessive Viewer, I talked about the movie The Purge.
1: Okay. I was was going (laughs) to say, you talked a lot about how much you hate women.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I did not. Um, The movie The Purge, which I don't like at all, Mm -hmm. um, I talk about how I don't like the implication of that movie that even if that law was, or that was a real world thing, where it's like everything is legal for the next twenty four hours or whatever, um, I hated the implication that most people would just go out and and purge together mm-hmm. and do horrible things. I didn't like that implication that just because of the legal system we have, people are calm and orderly or follow the law because of just because of the law or so whatever. So you don't
1: believe that it would happen. I
2: don't believe it would. I, there would be, obviously there would be some crazy assholes out there, but the implication was like, I hated the part where Ethan Hawke was like, Oh, that's, that's Mr. Henderson. I didn't know he was purging with Mr. Jones from down the street. That's great. It's like, Oh yeah. I, I don't believe like I have neighbors that I talk to on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And if the, if this was a thing, they would not load up their shotgun and go stalking the streets, murdering people. Right. And it's just like that. I just hated that. And I could not buy that premise. and, Mm -hmm it's not a horrible movie. I just, that just like pissed me off and irked me. And I had that same notion with not all men because I thought it was a, a cool episode and, Mm -hmm. and a fun idea up until the end where, you know, there was like this, this sci-fi element where these asteroids or these meteors were Mm -hmm. causing anyone with a Y chromosome to go nuts and just be uber misogynist and, testosterone driven and savage essentially Mm -hmm. i thought that was uh, that was an interesting premise and i was into it and then at the end it just they completely retconned it and this kid was like well i i felt it coming on or whatever and i just chose not to yeah and it's like the implication was that well all these guys were just essentially doing this because they had an excuse to do it now yeah and i just i just couldn't i was like that's just stupid i can't get behind that premise
1: I had, yeah, I take it you haven't listened to that review yet. I haven't gotten to that okay. one yet. I dive really deep into it. Well, really? Okay. I get, I, I get, maybe, I don't know, it could be construed as nitpicking, but like, I have it in my head that that episode was made in the editing. Like, okay. I don't think that they had a clear idea of where they were going <laughs> When they when they had all the footage and everything, okay, because like there are like scenes that feel like insert shots. It was a little sloppy, yeah, in parts. Once the chaos like happens and everything, like everything goes to shit, like storytelling wise. Also, like Mm -hmm. they see like a one quick example is like they're at the gas station. Worst scene of the entire season (laughs) when she picks up the meteor and she's like, "We need to fight back." And she's like, that's not doing anything like that. Like that just, that just halted the episode for me entirely. Mm-hmm. But then they see the guy like with the meteor on a chain, Yeah. Uh, which like imagery is like, eh, that's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. But then when Luke Kirby comes with the same thing, uh, like, uh, Tessa Farmiga's like, what the fuck is that? It's like, you literally just saw the <laughs> yeah, same thing. Like, right. it's clear, like, they maybe added that so that, you know, they would establish it as a thing that happens. Yeah. But it just, it didn't connect with me that way. But I heaped, so- like, it's number six on my list. So it's okay. just below half. Um, because the demonstration or the, the depiction of, like, women how women like feel in the world, like uh, mm. everything. Like there's so much nuance to like Annie's uh, life in her workplace and at home, and or uh, how she's internalizing this assault that happened or this this event that happened before. Like the entire date thing, like the whole cold open could have been its own self-contained short film yes and it was like it was riveting it was terrifying
2: i was gonna say that was my that was i was really into the episode yeah after that
1: it got it's i mean it's very clearly telling its story telling it's one of the things that this season did in my opinion really well maybe to the detriment of overall storytelling and everything or characterization i should say is that each most of if not all episodes take the point of view of a specific perspective and brings the audience to that perspective whether it's like african-americans relationship with uh racist institutions or police like brutality yeah or women interacting with men in and outside of the workplace and in romantic settings and like the threat of men essentially Mm -hmm. um i think what that what the show did really well is create perspective for viewpoints that are by and large discounted by a lot of, uh, vocal people in our society. Right. Um, so yeah. Uh, but not all men really mixed bag for me. Like it, it kind of squandered so much goodwill that it had. Yeah. Um, that's a
2: great way to put it.
1: Yeah. And I, I loved Ike Bernholtz though. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's fantastic. He's,
2: he's really great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um yeah. Luke Kirby mm-hmm. is great. Oh yeah. I love him. He plays It is worth watching uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel to see mm-hmm. him. He plays Lenny Bruce. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's really great. I had I hadn't I don't think I would heard of him before that show.
1: Oh, really? He was in I couldn't remember uh, him from anything. Take this waltz.
2: Okay. Yeah. Wow. I haven't seen that movie in years.
1: I know. I brought it up in my review because I was like, "That's that's movie still just emotionally just devastated me." Nice. Um. um
2: yeah. But yeah, he's he's a really great actor. I hope he. I hope his star continues to rise. I'll put it that way. Me too. He's great. Yeah. So. Uh, so. yeah.
1: Resurrection. I think he was in. Oh, is he? Yeah. I think so. I don't know.
2: Nice. Um. um so my number eight is the comedian.
1: Interesting. That's my number eight as well.
2: Okay. Which could. It could be somewhat tainted because I didn't see the last five minutes. Right. But I really wasn't that into it up until that point. Sure. Um, I think the premise is really cool, though. Mm-hmm. I, I, I liked the whole thing where this torch is sort of passed to him where, you know, he can essentially uh, gain notoriety and fame and achieve success through giving up pieces of his life. It's kind of a sell your soul to the devil kind of thing, yeah. but with a different kind of a different take on it it's uh, it's it's not that derivative or that that much of a steal from that that mm. concept but i think it was really but, but my my issue was just how kind of just how how dumb kumail nunchan's character was sure. like it it, just, it took him so long to figure everything out like he's yeah like he's hanging up posters for his dog and it's like how do you not understand what's happening mm. like it's pretty straightforward and see yeah i, it, 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 I think yeah. i think part of it is the fact that this was a full-length episode this mm. was 45 50 minutes yeah i think 54 minutes okay. yeah that's and i feel like if this was more condensed in a traditional twilight zone style of 25 minutes i think this could have worked even better I think, I think it could have worked better
1: yeah and that, that's fair a lot of people have been complaining about the length of the episodes and how they want it to be okay. like the original at 25 minutes which I can meet them halfway like if they did if they did instead of 10 36 to 54 minute episodes and instead did like 20 25 minute episodes hmm. I would be more on board with that like I think that would be great okay but I don't think any of these episodes felt too long for me
2: yeah, I don't think uh, so either.
1: Yeah. And also, like, there's... I don't know. I I kind of feel like... I try not to say, like, oh, they could cut out, like, 10 minutes here and make it better or whatever. Because, like, I, it, that argument's not saying, like, oh, um... Like, it's not saying specifically 10 minutes here. Like, it's saying just, like, it could have been 10 minutes shorter. Like, how could it have been 10 minutes shorter? Right. Offer that up, but...
2: That's I true. I think I think just him, him stumbling through what's going on, I mm. think, was a little frustrating i feel like again in, in the in the 25 minute format he would have figured it out in the first like 10 minutes and then it would have been 10 minutes of just chaos of him mm-hmm. you know in a in a, a moral conundrum if you will mm-hmm. um and then a few minutes of danny ma or whatever uh would, would have been i think what could it could could be better i i you know i'm not it's hindsight's 2020 20 or whatever yeah. it's, it's easy to criticize once you've seen it but it's um really funny because
1: if if i were to give you homework um, <laughs> uh watch the season two episode of the original series penny for your thoughts okay um it's got dick york he's 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 really charismatic and everything but talk about an episode where a character has some kind of ability But does not have the self awareness to realize it. Okay, like it feels like it feels like half the episode is him just not realizing that he can read people's thoughts, (laughs) and it's like it's so kind of frustrating because it's just like yeah he he keeps saying like what did you say like it's like you you're watching their mouth not move and you're hearing their (laughs) voice like like catch up with us right Um, but anyway um, (laughs) the comedian yeah i, I kind of got like it's it's my number eight as well and i kind of got um kinda, it kind of dropped a little bit the farther i got away from it because i don't know maybe because i was watching it so many times
2: <laughs> yeah but
1: i i liked kumail's performance though i I
2: love kumail Nanjiani. Mm-hmm. he's fantastic yep. um and and everything every time i see him i want to see more of him mm-hmm. so i'm a big fan of his and he he was fine He he did a good job in this yeah so, yeah, I don't know. I think it was just, uh, yeah, and, and pacing, I guess. I guess you could just chalk it up to pacing and then mm-hmm. the, uh, I don't know. I think I'm trying to figure out why I didn't like it that much. Like I said, I think it's kind of tainted by the fact that I didn't really see the last five minutes, but, right. um, I think it was kind of predictable that that's the direction it was going to go. Yeah, Um, yeah. I know in your review you said that there were like basically two things that could happen, and and yeah, you kind of picked it out. But um, Mm -hmm. but it was still it was still interesting. I kind of wanted, I kind of wanted like uh, the the set was really cool of the the nightclub. I thought that was well done. Um, but I think on the back wall there was wasn't there like a big mural? Uh,
1: yeah, the back wall was of people. Big mural.
2: I think it would have been cool if they had done kind of like a shining thing and the end of the shining. Is that in the episode? They did. Yeah. Fuck. That's the last shot of the episode. I was thinking that I was like, wouldn't that be kind of cool if they did like a Jack Torrance yeah. kind of thing at the end of the Shining? And it's oh, a God, little it. too,
1: it's a little too on the, well, it's a little too on the nose. Fucking
2: like, CBS all access.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <sighs> uh, it's a little too on the nose. Like pretty much everything in the season was, <laughs> but like, it's just basically, uh, um, Peele is giving his closing narration. And then it just zooms in on, uh, Kumail's face in, the, in, in, the
2: um that's kind of cool
1: yeah yeah i i liked it a lot of people kind of had some issues with
2: it but i like her his his comedian friend was pretty good too i'm not familiar with her yeah she she did a good job yeah Mm kind of smart assy yeah i liked her so yeah it's again a a really really good concept just the execution was lacking a little bit
0: yeah
1: and i don't and i mentioned this in the review but i don't know if this was an intentional thing but, uh, the comedian is also the title of a Rod Serling script from Playhouse 90 from back in the day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but also, Alex Rubens, who wrote the episode, was on, uh, the writer's panel podcast and he talked about how people, how he was frustrated with how people were saying that, uh, the jokes weren't funny in it because yeah. the jokes aren't supposed to be funny. It's, yeah. it's, it's not supposed to be funny. Anyway, uh, what's your number? That's the point. He's not funny. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh,
2: number seven is point of origin.
1: Oh, interesting. That's my number nine, actually.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't really know what the hell was going on. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of figure it out, and, um, it's sort of open ended. Mm. I think, I think it was, I'm glad they tackled immigration Mm -hmm. as an issue. I think that was a good idea. Um, and I think this was, I, I one thing that I did they did really well is that I think this was actually pretty pretty scary and and mm-hmm. horrific you know the whole um we we there there's there's a line where the uh the housekeeper says like you knew this was happening but it's easy it's easy for you to you know fold up the newspaper or yeah, turn the turn, turn this on, turn, turn off, off the, the news TV. or whatever yeah and that was a great line because yeah. i think we're all kind of guilty of that you know um because
1: yeah. it's because she says uh I had no idea they were going to take you to a place like this. And right. He's like, "Yeah, you did." Right. It's easy to turn off your TV, but you know we're here. Right. Right. Um,
2: yeah. um, and and just the whole, you know, her uh, being essentially kidnapped and 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 tortured and kept in this isolated, horrible building, and just like it was all it was all scary and and like yeah. uh, horrifying is is the word the word I would say, and that's yeah. that's kind of. I think a bit of a reality for people who are in that situation. And, and that's right now. Right. Right. Things are happening. They hit that out of the park and that was, that was a good job. And I appreciated that part of the episode. And I was, I was very into that. Um, and then once I, once you kind of figure out what's going on, that she's from another dimension and she's essentially a dimensional immigrant, if you will. Yeah. And whoever this agent of, the government, assumedly, mm-hmm. uh, is is uh, persecuting her for it. Um, that's that's a, a crazy premise and it's scary and I liked it and I think they even executed it pretty well. Yeah. But I feel like it just kind of dropped. Um, she gets she gets she escapes and then she gets taken back yeah. and it, it kind of ends. And like I thought that was, I kind of wanted something a little more um, perfunctory or mm, not perfunctory, but like substantial. a yeah something something more conclusive, I guess.
1: Well, here's the thing. So, I, I had the same kind of like disconnect when I watched it, even when I reviewed it. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until I listened to Tom Elliott's uh, The Twilight Zone podcast. He did this great thing where, and I'm sorry for the repetition, everyone, but he did this great thing where every week he would have listeners submit emails or voice recordings of their thoughts on each episode. Mm -hmm. And he had one listener on the point of origin one that just kind of blew my mind a little bit.
2: Yeah, you told me about this, but it's
1: no, not that. Okay. Uh, Oh, I actually, I may be conflating it because I think I heard this on another podcast. So it wasn't that anyway, I had heard somewhere that they made the connection to where, um, the ending where, William is telling her um, – I meant to look up the exact words because I think it may have been – maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it may have been like a direct reference to an X-Files episode that I just watched. Mm-hmm. But he says uh, – he tells Eve when she comes home after, being, after escaping, uh, he's like, you're not who you are or you're not who – you are okay which i just watched the episode ice of the x-files and like that's a repeated line throughout mm. the episodes you're not who you are okay Um, and glenn morgan he didn't write the episode for for point of origin but he's a producer on twilight zone and he was a producer on uh, x-files but anyway um when william says you're not who you are and he just basically is rejecting her and everything mm-hmm. that is an interesting mirror to earlier in the episode when um uh, when the maid what is her name um Mm, I, I can't remember recall. her name. Yeah, she when she's asking about the, you know, getting her her grandson into into the uh, ch- charter school by using their address. Uh, Eve's like, "You know, your family, of course, your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can do this, it's no problem, but it's still like shaking up the status quo a little bit." But then now that it's been exposed that she's not actually like a natural citizen of this dimension, she is and she is herself an immigrant who like Go, going back to her relationship with with uh, the the housekeeper, she's putting up this facade, saying like, "Oh, you're family and everything, of course," but it's like they're not real. She's not really her family. Yeah. Um, it's just something she's putting on, uh, putting on a face. But now, like later in the episode, when it's revealed that she herself is is an immigrant of sorts, uh, her family has the same reaction to her, like, "You're family, but you're not our family." Like you're not who you are, so we're pushing you away. We're not right. going to inter- interact or anything, or we're not going to intervene mm-hmm. with it because you're not really our family. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was an interesting connection. Still, is a little shaky and everything. Yeah. But,
2: um, that, yeah. that's that's cool. I didn't I didn't make that connection. Yeah. Uh, but and my,
1: again, another podcast did it. So. <laughs> right. Uh, can't take credit.
2: I think my issue with that was that um that scene where the the father and the husband says that mm-hmm. my problem was that I. I couldn't buy that part because it's not the same thing as the housekeeper being deported yeah. because that's literally his wife. They had chill, they have children mm-hmm. together. It's a little, it's, it's different. The fact that he, yeah that he would have that attitude, I think is, I mean, I, I guess. I maybe I'm being a little too harsh because, you know, he she duped him, if you will. Yeah. Um
1: but then again, and I and I brought this up and I was kind of nervous to bring it up, but like it's also it's kind of a mixed metaphor a little bit. It's like kind of a mixed bag because she's an immigrant but she has no memory of it, so she is right. that is like her arc supposed to be that of like there it would have been a more compelling episode if she was trying to reconcile like her her true nature with like her adopted nature in, in right. this
2: dimension. Like if there was a clear, if she knew the whole time, it would be completely different. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It was a little, a little goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't, it's number seven, but like I, I didn't hate the episode or like I thought, I sure. thought it was still a good episode and like, I think it was important and, mm-hmm. and, relatively well done i think it just had some some plot issues or some uh, development mm-hmm. issues that kind of stagnated or didn't didn't pay off i guess yeah um but, and, and plus uh, one of the big things and this is complete complete bias on my part mm-hmm. i really just can't stand jenny for good one oh interesting i think she's annoying as shit
1: <laughs> that's interesting yeah
2: I've, I've never enjoyed her performances I ever
1: really only know her from he's just not that into you <laughs> okay um she
2: was on big love
1: oh okay yeah see i never saw it
2: just and she's just annoying
1: um i i think she did a great job honestly uh there are moments where she really embodies this like privileged white rich woman kind of thing see, like, i thought that was over the
2: top really yeah okay that's fair i just couldn't get into it um
1: maybe it was but i don't know i was just into it like the way that she uh and and it kind of gets on my nerves just a little bit but it's also like it's kind of feels like it's maybe supposed to, but like the way she's like constantly saying like, you know, we can, we can give you money to Matheson charter school. Or right. Whatever. Yeah. Cause like their answer to everything is money and lawyers. Yeah. Um, And then also like when she's like embarrassed at the, at the checkout counter, it's like in the way that she's like, she's trying to put up like this, like facade that she's like, Oh, everything's fine or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then she's like, you can, you can take your goddamn groceries, but she kind of whispers it. Um I don't know I just kind of liked that. I thought okay. she did a good job. But in uh, okay. teach their own. Yeah. Um that's your number 7. 7. So what's your number 6?
2: Number 6 is Nightmare at 30,000 feet. Oh, interesting. That's my number 3. Really? Yeah. Okay. So like I I kind of I almost feel bad putting it here, but like mm-hmm. this I think a lot of this positioning as number 6 on my list is a little bit is is biased. Okay. Cuz I was expecting more I was expecting the episode to be more in tune with the original Okay. I thought there was going to be a monster on the wing of the plane. That's what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. I've never seen that episode of the original, um, with, with William Shatner. I haven't seen it. Um, but I feel like I I think I've seen snippets of it before and it's fucking scary and like really effective. And I think it's interesting because this is a really good premise for an episode. Mm -hmm. And I keep saying that, but it really is. And I think it's actually executed well. Um, it
1: involves a podcast. (laughs) It
2: does. Uh, Dan Carlin, (laughs) one of my favorite podcasters. Mm -hmm. Um, there there's so many great things about the episode but i think it's just i really chalk it up to bias that i i was expecting i was expecting a monster episode mm-hmm. and and i didn't get it and i think that's that's my my own downfall in regards mm-hmm. to the episode um
1: but sometimes tiny the monsters <clears throat> R us. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I don't
2: know. <laughs> um, well, and also, this is one of the episodes that got screwed up for me. I, right. I didn't get to see the end. Uh, did you never watch the end? Uh, I did. I finally, okay. I finally did see it. And I liked, the, I liked it mo- I liked the ending a lot, actually. I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. Very animalistic and savage yeah. at the end. That was really good. I, it, it, this should, even on my, this should be probably ranked higher on my list. Okay. Um, I'm not sure why I put it at six. It should be at least fifth or fourth. Okay. I don't know. I just, uh, I really don't have a lot to say about it. Um, I love Adam Scott. He's, Me too. he's a really diverse actor because mm-hmm. he's in, uh, obviously people know him from silly comedies like yeah. Step Brothers and mm-hmm. Parks and Rec and stuff like that, but he's a very talented dramatic actor. Totally. Um, check out, uh, Big Little Lies on HBO. Yes. He's phenomenal. Well,
1: I say yes, like I've seen, I haven't watched any of it, <laughs> okay. but I think on Obsessive View, we're going to review the two first two seasons once the second season ends. Okay.
2: Hopefully. Yeah, he's married to Reese Witherspoon in that, in that show and he, like outshines her in some scenes uh he's he's great so um i was really glad they picked him for a role like this Mm -hmm. um and i'm a big fan of his and he did a great job um the pilot also i can't ever think of this guy's Uh, name
1: christian mentopoulos
2: there you go yeah or
1: the actual pilot the actor that well i mean the the pilot or the the pilot the pilot okay okay, yeah Yeah. christian mentopoulos okay I I like saying his last name because I feel like I've never messed it up. <laughs> and I'm just I, nice. I like it. It's it's a mouthful, but nice. He's, he's great.
2: He's a great like character actor. Mm-hmm. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um. And I I enjoy the shit out of him every time I see him. Mm-hmm. So in this um, I- including this episode. So
1: yeah, I'm still super proud of my joke in the review. Are you? Um. Yeah. About uh Silicon but he was in Silicon Valley. He yeah. Did the whole this guy fucks. Yeah. Line. Yeah. So in. The review I said this guy flights. So, anyway, <laughs> oh man, um, now you guys have heard that joke twice. <laughs> um, so yeah, but, uh, so how did you feel about the ending of that one?
2: Uh, yeah, the ending was good, was cool. Like mm. like I said, the the savagery of it, I think was. Yeah. Uh, I didn't I didn't see it coming, but yeah. I th- I thought it was a proportional response. I guess I'll say, <laughs> which is very savage, but mm. um, but I think it made sense for the episode. Nice. It was good.
1: Cool. Yeah, uh, like I said, that's my number three. I, It's one of my favorites of the season. Okay, um, nice. Just, I thought it was really well done.
2: Yeah, I'm going to need to watch it again. <sighs> yeah, for sure. Um, also, another really good set. Oh, absolutely. Good set, that plane. Um, oh, yeah. Number five is Six Degrees of Freedom. Nice. That's... which. Yeah, my number two. <laughs> I don't have... Okay, I don't have a lot to say about it. The... The theme or like the uh, the reveal mm-hmm. was like one of my favorites. Okay, that was really cool. How
1: did you read that? Because a lot of people were confused about whether or not. Oh, is it a simulation or is it not a simulation? I took it to be. Do you want me to go ahead and tell me tell you my like read of sure, it? Sure. Do you go want ahead. to tell me yours?
2: Oh, well, I was. I don't think it was a simulation. I think okay, it good. was. Same. Is they're basically just being monitored. Mm-hmm. We're being monitored, if you will, yeah. and. Somehow they got that guy out of space. I don't right. know um but i lo- I loved that like reveal mm-hmm. that was like really cool, and like I loved how the guy didn't even say anything, and mm-hmm. like all we hear is this we just see subtitles that way we didn't even get to see the aliens, yeah, and that was really cool. I thought that was really well done. Mm-hmm but that was like the last minute <laughs> yeah. and the other 24 minutes, or I don't even remember how long this was <laughs> leading up to it.
1: I think it was 45, I think.
2: Okay. The other 44 minutes, I was just like, okay, well, we're, this is happening. Like mm. I, I really wasn't that into it.
1: That's so, I was so, okay. If you were to ask me what episode I thought you would latch onto the most, I would have said six degrees of freedom. Really? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, like I've I've told you this before, it just crosses so many lines on the like the Venn diagram of interest in science fiction for me, mm-hmm. and I know that we have similar tastes and stuff. And I just thought that you would have been more into it, but um, yeah, I, I love that episode.
2: I probably need to see it again. Um, and there, there, there's a lot of good things about it too. But I think one of the th- I I was just annoyed or um. Not at all interested in the, the constant flashing of, like, the date and time. Yeah. And, they um, did overdo that. It, and it was weird. Like, the, the depiction of it was E to... I don't fucking know. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, it didn't say ETA. But, no. I can't yeah. remember.
2: But it was... That was just up... And they'd give you... They'd show you, like, a 20-second scene, and they'd flash it again the yeah. time. And, day, and it's just like, did I need that? I, I don't know if that was necessary. I, just the depiction of the passage of time, I think was a little sloppy. Okay. Um, and then like some of the character interaction, I just didn't really care that much. Interesting. Um, which I know when we briefly discussed it before, you mentioned there's some parallels between Mm -hmm. this episode and one of our favorite sci-fi movies, sunshine. Yep. Um, and then there are without question, but I mean, sunshine was just done to such better, sure. (laughs) Such a better degree. Um, and such a better development. Um, um,
1: what I love about this episode so much is among many other things, because it's an episode that I truly do adore in the season. Uh, but one of the things I really appreciate about it is the setup. Like, like it is, I would go ahead and say it's by far, it's one of my favorite, like five minute or however long segments of the opening scene. Like it's my favorite, like, Cold open of the season so far. Yeah, it was pretty good. Or the whole season. Yeah, like every like just the setup of like oh they're about to launch on a mission to Mars. The 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 entire world's nuking each other. They're flying to Mars, and then like just the way the camera spins around and reveals Jordan uh, giving his his uh, opening narration, and that mm-hmm. opening narration is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, as you get more into my reviews, I get such a bug up my ass about the narrations and how, like, uh, let's see, one, two, three, I want to say seven or seven or eight of the 10 episodes start with some variation of meet this character, Mm -hmm. or introducing this uh samir wasan is an artist of great principle like it's just it's the same thing and like that's i don't know that that got to me but the opening narration for for six degrees of freedom was just so great nice um yeah and just i love the music in that episode too Mm. Um, just everything about it is great except for that stupid ska song
2: yeah, um, that's a dumbass song.
1: Yeah, and it's so cringeworthy when they're singing it. and like, Yeah. It's just that didn't work for me, but mm-hmm. I love that episode so much.
2: Nice. Yeah.
1: What's your number
2: three? Number four. four. Number four is Blurry Man.
1: Oh, interesting. So, okay, this is exciting because <laughs> I have no idea what you thought of this episode. Okay. And I, a peek behind the curtain, we're actually recording this before I record my Bonus review of Blurry Man, so like it's a little bit out of sequence here. Okay. So I haven't put together my my notes and everything yet. Um, how did you feel about this episode? As someone who like you you don't, and this is kind of maybe it's a cheap shot, but like you don't have like that. Yeah, uh, I don't. That sounds shitty. Uh, <laughs> you're not a fan of the Twilight Zone, uh, like you. Well, I'm not. I mean, I mean well. Like, you've seen, like, half of the first season. Yeah. I've seen two seasons of it. Right. But I've also kind of... I feel like I've...
2: You've sat with it and dissected it a lot of I have. Yeah, yeah.
1: But, like... So we're varying degrees You're of an authority things. on it. I'm not... Mm-hmm. You are. Let's pump the brakes there. Tiny. <laughs> um, People that listen to this have lived with the Twilight Zone for their entire lives. <laughs> Let's not piss them off. I'm not... I'm gonna... I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm uh I'm a, uh, uh, what's, what's a lower grade of authority? Uh, um, I'm a, I'm a spectator of the first two seasons. <laughs> um,
2: I'll give you a little more credit than that. Oh, but okay. Well, thank you.
1: But no, um, so it's funny because, like, like, you're, you're kind of not as, as entrenched in the Twilight Zone as, say, I am, and people who, I have counted as like their favorite show of all time. And I've lived with the twilight zone for decades. Like they are on an entirely different level. So how did you feel about blurry man, which in its own way is a love letter to Serling and a depiction of the kind of, um, uh, the struggle of the writer in terms of adapting or, or taking the mantle of, this prestigious and important property like how Mm -hmm. did you did that resonate with you and how did you feel about the episode uh
2: the resonance of of rod sterling didn't land that well with me i will admit and that's A bit of a shortcoming on myself as the viewer i guess okay because i'm not as like this episode was for those people you were just describing yeah it wasn't for me as well as much um
1: (laughs) this episode was for the people whose wagon i've been desperately chasing for the last four years
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) right but i mean still when they revealed that it was rod serling Mm -hmm. i knew who it was immediately and i was like oh okay that, that part was a little bit too meta for me. Okay, sure. And it, it just kinda, and, and the whole thing where they walked, like, him and Z- Zazie Bates walked mm-hmm. through the doorways into the starlight, that was just a little too, a little hokey, honestly. Sure. I, I think it was a little silly. Um, but the, I think this is the most high concept episode mm-hmm. of the season, and I appreciated <laughs> what they did.
1: It's the most high concept episode of the season, and they had a twelve year old president episode.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But I agree. But no, I mean, the I I was really, I was really into the episode. I mean, it's my number four. It's not like I'm shitting on it. Right, like it's, right. it's it was a good episode, a damn good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the the ending just fell off for me because it wasn't. It just wasn't that ending wasn't for me. And so I didn't connect to it mm-hmm. the way that I'm sure a lot of people lost their minds for, you know, yeah. and like, and that's, that's great. And like, I, I got it. It just didn't have the attachment for me. Right. Um, but everything leading up to that, I thought was really, uh, really cool. I mm-hmm. loved the whole, the, I thought the star of the, like when I saw the previous, I thought the star of the episode was Seth, Seth Rogen. Same here. And like, that was cool. I was like, Oh, cool. Seth Rogen. People um, like
1: the Twilight on subreddit before the episode aired, like, there was one, there was one thread that, like, I just caught a, caught a peep of, cause I, I didn't watch the trailers or anything. But, like, one thread, like, before it aired was like, well, the trailer kind of confirms that, uh, this episode is Seth Rogen kind of in a reimagined episode of, um, uh, time enough at last. Basically, hmm. I'm like you could not get farther from the Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So in those first, the the moment that Jordan Peele breaks the fourth wall, and I like. One of the biggest surprises and coolest moments of the season for me. Uh, how did you feel about that?
2: Absolutely. Same way. I was like, that's, I was like, this is interesting. I really like what they're doing here. And like, it's, I thought it was like funny how Seth Rogen had like 10 lines. (laughs) Like he really didn't say a lot and he was just kind of there. Like Mm -hmm. uh, that was really well done. Um, and, and I, I loved the whole, I feel the way I connect, my connect for the episode Mm -hmm. was, it was a bit of a love letter to writers as well. Yeah. Like, in like how difficult I think, I think sci-fi is probably good. Sci-fi is probably one of the top couple hardest genres to write. Right. Like I, I really, do I really think it is. And that's why a lot of sci-fi fails because mm. it doesn't have the right writer or it's just not there and it's hard to do, but the twilight zone has done it right H- in the past. Did it right. So many times mm. that, this story belongs in this universe yeah. in this dimension <laughs> <laughs> um and and i think that's that's why the episode worked so well is mm-hmm. because this this is this is vintage it feels like vintage twilight twilight zone Interesting. um and, and and again it was um it was scary like where she's mm-hmm. in the empty set being stalked by the blurry man that was yes that was well done in and of itself um and then just the whole the high concept of it was, was also Mm. just really cool and how it was meta and yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I can't, uh, there,
1: there were a few things I'll kind of rapid fire because I I haven't, uh, like I said, I haven't recorded my review of it yet. So all of this is going to be stuff that has been more fleshed out in my review that the listeners have already heard. But there were a few things in this episode that I, I, I really loved. So first of all, Seth Rogen, like in the episode that they're, that they're filming of the Twilight Zone, I love that because it is a nod to the original series' first season finale. Okay. Um, called A World of His Own, I think. I get that, I get it confused with A World of Difference. Um, okay, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's A World of Difference. It's a season finale, season one, in which A writer is, he, he can, he dictates, much like how Serling wrote, he used a dictation machine and he would dictate his, his scripts and everything to it. Mm. Uh, there's a writer in that episode who, anytime he says, or he creates a character, that character becomes real, Hmm. in, in real life. And that episode also, uh, I don't know if I'd say breaks the fourth wall. Uh, yeah, yeah, it kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit. Um, but it's so cool spoilers for the first season finale of the original series but um it ends with rod serling it's the first time rod serling is on screen Mm. giving his narration because the first season doesn't have him on screen um and he's saying it and then uh the writer in the episode like takes like the the tape from his dictation machine in an envelope that says rod serling he's like you know what i'm done with you or whatever and like he tosses it in in the fire and then Rod Serling, like, kind of looks at the camera and, in the kind of winky ways, like, well, I guess that's what, how it goes or whatever, like that. Nice. <laughs> he disappears. Cool. Uh-huh. Like, his whole episode is like him disappearing, the characters he creates. Okay. Um, and I love that because this, that's this, this episode, Blurry Man is, like, similar to that mm-hmm. in, to an extent, but the f- episode that they're filming is a play on that because Seth Rogen's character is writing things and they're cr- happening outside. Right. Um, just, I, I love that kind of subtle kind of thing, but, the whole chase sequence uh throughout the sets and everything it was it was scary sure mm-hmm. but it was also it felt a little bit reductive like it, or it felt a little bit um
2: a little shoehorned maybe
1: a little bit like one of the thing one of the problems i had with not all men was well uh the moment where it, where it becomes a becomes a home invasion story um it like the score sounds a lot like scream um and that's not a surprise since Marco Beltrami is one of the composers of the show and he composed all the screen movies but the entire into- all the Zazi beats running through the set thing just felt like just felt like slasher chase sequences and I, I was like yeah. it, it felt like fluff in an episode that is built around like substance so
2: um, yeah that's true
1: but but yeah so yeah and it's funny because like I get like I get like it not resonating with the Rod Serling thing and like the CGI is a little bit dodgy. <laughs> uh, they did pretty good. Yeah, they it was acceptable, but it wasn't yeah. like MCU Captain Marvel stuff, right? Um, but I I'm not above saying I'll talk. I have talked about this at this point. Um, like I like almost lost it. Like I almost like wow. was in tears because it was just like the the power of that. Like mm-hmm. just it was just so uh moving to me, and just being with that character with Zazie Beetz's character. Who has, like, who has professed her love for the Twilight Zone and how important it is to her, and, like, having it be that, that ending was just so, just beautiful to me. Nice. So, and, like, I, I, people on Twitter, like, I mentioned, like, I was nearly moved to tears, and then, like, someone replied, was like, I was fucking bawling. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's like, yeah.
2: Wow. I hope I can get yeah. to that point at some point mm-hmm. and, and appreciate it more yeah. as an episode. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, yes yeah. So, um, is, was that your number one for the season? Uh,
1: it was, but I think that that is going to swap out. Like, it's like neck and neck with, uh, Six Degrees of Freedom. Okay. For me. So okay, cool. But yeah, it is my number one. All right. Pending my actual review. Uh, so what's gotcha. your number two? Three. Three.
2: Uh, replay. That's oh, interesting. Yeah. that's um, my number four. I don't have a ton to say about it, really. I just think it was, um, I, I, I I really, this was the most like edge of my seat I kind of got for Mm. the whole season. Um, and I think the reason was, I just, I was curious to see how she was going to rectify this conundrum she was in. Sure. Um, cause it seemed like there was no way out. Like she, somebody was going to get shot and killed or she was going to have to kill someone or it just seemed really, the stakes just were super high and it just, that just really worked on me. Um um for whatever reason. Did you listen um, to my review? I have not okay. gotten to this one yet. So okay, cool. um but I was curious, was was the cop like was he like kind of a supernatural entity or was he just like I'm, super racist?
1: I'm glad that you asked me that. Because
2: I really don't know. And
1: I so I think that that episode was one of the best written episodes for me throughout the whole season. Okay. In um, my read of that, and it's a read that I feel like is right because it's me saying it. <laughs> um, but no. I, also I just feel like it's something that a lot of people seem to have missed is that he is a metaphor. Like he is, he's, he's a police officer, but the character himself is an amalgamation of the racist institutions of, like, our world that are actively working to keep minorities, uh, uh, oppressed. Okay. So, like, this is perfectly, like, it's summed up perfectly when, uh, I think it's the first time, yeah, it's the first time that they get pulled over when, uh, uh, what was the kid's name? Damson Indris is the actor's name. Um, uh. I don't remember. Um, hang on, Dorian. Um, okay. Yeah, so he gets pulled over, and the cop comes up, and it's like this. This is all you need to know about the the subtext of this episode, and like the meaning behind who, like what the cop represents. So he walks up to the car. As he's walking up, he glides his hand over, kind of in a kind of a like subtle like sense of ownership, like like this mm. is you know this is they shouldn't have this. This should be mine, kind of thing. Hmm. Um, he goes up to the window and he tells, he tells Dorian, he, he says like, do you know why I pulled you over? And Dorian says, I was going too fast. And the cop says, well, since you admitted it, I'll let that slide. Um, so that to me is this young black man is telling this racist, uh, entity that he was going too fast and that's why the racist entity was stopping him and the kind of subtext of that is that they're taking him to college like he's going to college to better his life and and to be like okay to do that so like him saying like i was going too fast is like double meaning of him like oh he's moving too fast oh and he, should be, he should be oppressed to like his oh, that's
2: clever i didn't pick up on yeah, that yeah and
1: i was just like that is just brilliant like that's just huh. that's wonderful yeah that is um, brilliant yeah, and I, I'm just, I was so enamored with, with the script. And yeah, it's another perfect example of the show doing, uh, taking a, a perspective and, and giving that perspective to the audience. And, mm-hmm. and like, I just think that they did it really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm really proud of the review I did of that. So check that out.
2: I definitely will. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, like, some of the stuff I, picked up on there's you know, like an underground railroad mm-hmm. metaphor obviously um and the uh the actor who plays the police officer is oh yeah um i don't know his name oh, uh, crap! i just know him from the first season yeah. of uh the true detective. detective yeah really creepy guy
1: he was also in
2: boardwalk empire right yeah right so yeah uh i i i wish i had more to say about it i just i remember I just, I love, I just loved the stakes of the episode. That's mm-hmm. what I really appreciated. And, uh, and I'm very, um, as far as the, like the theme of the episode, you know, oppressing minorities mm-hmm. and, uh, racism and, uh, author- authoritative cops, police brutality, I have very mixed feelings on some of those themes, police brutality especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it was, it was an interesting episode to navigate in that regards yeah. because I, I I didn't empathize with the cop. Right. But, you know, I, I can't help but put myself in the shoes of both characters or both sure. sides. And obviously the cop was way out of line every single mm. time. I'm not, again, I'm not empathizing or defending the cop, but it's... Right. That's usually in that scenario. That's usually what I gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Like when when I see these videos on social media or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I need to. I, I I think about the perspective of the police officer first. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, it, they act egregiously and yeah. wrongfully and downright evil sometimes, mm-hmm. and they they screw up. Trust me, I'm not. <laughs> a lot of the times, I'm very critical of. God right um but i also have a huge respect for him at the same time yeah, and it's 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 a hard hard balance to strike
1: yeah yeah i need to finish my thought you have a criminal justice degree <laughs> i do <laughs>
2: thank you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um
1: and like i've i've talked about on the podcast i come from a police family my father right. is a retired police officer my brother is a police officer my brothers are police officers mm-hmm. um just i i have police upbringing and everything yeah and like my kind of attitude has shifted considerably because i used to be like when i was a teenager and stuff because you know when you're a teenager you just kind of you know everything is so uh exact with there's no gray area when you're a teenager yeah immediately it's like oh you know police are great and everything right like like i just watched the phoenix tape like did you see the the footage of the phoenix cops?
2: no i haven't seen that
1: it's so fucking disturbing really it's like it's so basically this uh, these uh this family uh, that african-american family with a four-year-old daughter were at a dollar tree or something or a dollar general or something like that okay and their daughter had left when they were leaving the daughter had picked up a doll and they didn't pay for it and they left uh they didn't the parents didn't realize it so Mm -hmm. they get into their car at some point between them leaving and them getting to the car police were called, swarm of police come up with their guns drawn, screaming, just, just heightened, escalated everything, screaming that they're gonna put a cap in their ass, Jesus. that they're gonna fucking, they're gonna fucking die, uh, if they don't put their hands up. The woman is like saying, like, I can't put my hands up. I have a baby in my arms. I'm pregnant. I can't, like, Jeez. I can't do that. Like, you're not, you're not being clear with me. Um, and it's just like, like, it's just the most, I mean, it's, it's, I don't understand how yeah. that, like, whenever, I don't read much, I, I don't, I don't read much about, like, you know, the different sides and everything. I don't, I, I formulate my own opinion. I don't want to engage in any conversation because it's just such a fucking drain. Like, we currently have people debating the semantics of what a concentration camp is. Right. When the actual thing is that, like, oh, people are being placed in uh, internment camps essentially mm-hmm. that are being called like dog pounds mm-hmm. and just dehumanizing them and everything. Don't fucking argue semantics, but like just, I can't fathom someone watching the video of like the Phoenix officers and thinking like, Oh, they're right. Cause they don't know what's going on. Right. Like, they don't know what's going on. like, okay, you're still, they're still escalating it to a point that doesn't need escalation. Right. Like, that's, that's not, that's not their fucking job. Right. Their fucking job is to protect and serve. I, I, it's just, it's, it, it's infuriating. <laughs> yeah, clearly. So, wow. Yeah. Anyway.
2: I don't know if I should watch that one or not.
1: Yeah. I, I would say do it. Watch it. Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, to kind of defend myself, I think the reason why I gravitate towards that is because I, I empathize with, uh, I'm a very em, em, empathic person mm-hmm. and yeah. cops have a ridiculously hard job. Yeah. And so they deal with, pieces of shit every day and so my automatic standpoint is if i'm interacting with a police officer i'm like this dude has a horrible fucking job and like he's probably having a shitty day his his good days would be a shitty day for most other people and so i'm like i want to make his job as easy as i possibly can and so that's kind of where i come from but then i see you see videos like that and it's like there's no excuse whatsoever yeah
1: and like, I used to be kind of a homer for police officers. Yeah. Like, when, it, when, when like something would come out and they would be like, oh, it's like, it, like an actual, like, you know, officer involved shooting and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I've reached a point where like everything is, like everything has become so heightened and everything and everything is, right. everything is such, so, so politicized and everything that like, it used to be like when that happened, I would be em- empathic toward it and everything. And I would think like, well, you can't know how you're going to react in that situation. Like, right. You can't know, like, like, it's a, it's a, it's a life changing moment and everything. But, like, I'm at the point now where it's like, okay, if you, if you can't, if you're in that position, if you are a police officer and you are in a position where you, like, your job description is you could come to a life or death situation that takes a fraction of a second to make a decision. If you can't make that decision, make the proper decision in that situation, and that ends up, like, killing someone, you shouldn't have that fucking job. Right. Like, that's, that's it's it's easy to, like, armchair, you know, armchair, like, discuss it and everything Mm -hmm. and say, like, well, you don't know what it's like and everything. It's like, okay, well, that's because I don't want to be a fucking cop. Like, I don't want to become a police officer because I know I wouldn't be able to do that. Right. So, it's either... Either something that, you know, needs to be taught better or people that aren't fit to be police officers should not be police officers.
2: Right. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I do kind of hope someday I get caught in a, uh, like a DUI checkpoint though, because I will be an asshole. Oh, yeah. Because those are so unconstitutional. Oh, yeah. uh, Which our friend who's a police officer, Fekus, agrees. (laughs) Yeah. He says they're unconstitutional. So I was like, see. (laughs) he agrees um but yeah i hope i i kind of hope i do and i kind of hope i don't because i will be in, i will kind of be a dick (laughs) yeah
1: and see that's the thing like that's what i love about replay is that it is it is a really intense and by my by my perception of it truthful like uh depiction of what it's like to be a minority in those situations like right. we're both white men in our 30s like if we like we can afford to be a dick because yeah right like if we had been if we had grown up as minorities like we like there's no fucking way that (laughs) i wouldn't at least feel comfortable saying like oh i would be a total dick to that cop because like if i were a minority like that would mean like uh, there's a stands a pretty good chance that i would get shot and killed because of just how institutionalized the racism is
2: you have to acknowledge there's a difference yeah yep yeah
1: and that's something that so many people are so unwilling to right (laughs) right yeah
2: yeah. So that's your number three.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Anything more on replay?
2: Yeah. Long winded there. Um yeah. No, I think I think we covered it pretty okay. well. Okay. So. so
1: there's two more left. And yeah. Do you want me? Can do you mind if I guess which one is which? Number sure. Three, number one. Okay. Um. I'm I'm gonna say the blue scorpion is number two. That's correct. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good nice. call. Okay.
2: Cool. Good call. So yeah, the blue scorpion. Um. Man, I really loved this episode. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. Like well and it's easy uh, <clears throat> some some people and you might be thinking well yeah you're a fucking gun that of course you right. love the episode <laughs> well no that's uh, not even why <laughs>
1: yeah well that's kind of the opposite because what i love about this episode and not to bogart your your segment here mm-hmm. but what i love about it is that it's a gun episode but it's not about gun control anymore. not at all yeah like, this season has been so like oh here's here's police violence or here's you know minority but uh, violence against minorities here's immigration here's um, uh, misogyny and everything but this is like oh here's a gun but here's a character story along with it i yeah. just love it for that so go ahead sorry
2: absolutely what, what i love about the episode is that um, i think it's probably in second place for the second or third place for the most vintage twilight zone feel nice of out of any out of any scenes or any episode of the of the season um just very yeah just it's just it's very it's funny cuz it's so like plot and character driven it's mm-hmm. it's kind of both like it's it's plot driven but the the character is so good and yes. and so so enamored with this thing. And Chris um, is out, man. He did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, dang, I didn't know he had that in him necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I I, mean, I think it's we all saw the Cloverfield Paradox Tiny. Yeah, <laughs> so. Jesus. I pretty much forgot that movie. Yep. Um But no, I think it's it has this there's like this talismanic uh quality to the episode that's like so satisfying it's like the Maltese Falcon or like um, something else you know a a talisman is what it it feels Mm -hmm. like but it happens to be this tool of destruction like it Mm -hmm. has this it has this other quality to it that's sort of enigmatic in and of itself that that makes it especially intriguing Mm -hmm. Um, and and I, I just I love the progression of it um I love the the psychosis and how it's a very isolating thing and and there's just so many elements at play this guy just lost his dad he's in the middle of a divorce uh, he's having career issues and then you throw in this curveball of this talisman this with so this random device that just has such a hold on him and mm-hmm. throws an even bigger wrench into everything um and just the the happenstance with which the all that chaos concludes is mm. i didn't see that coming at all i thought yeah. this was going to be a very dark just completely dark episode in the yeah. end but um and the way it comes full circle with the kids finding it at the end and mm. man i it was just it was like just damn near a perfect episode i
1: yeah in too. my
2: mind i mean i i just can't say enough good things about it um and i, I love i love um i think Twilight Zone is great at employing disembodied voices. Mm-hmm. The guy on the phone, like the gun yeah. dealer on the phone, was really. Did, did I recognize did, that voice? Yeah, did you? I think I, I can picture him, but I don't know his name.
1: Oh, okay, who do you think it was?
2: Ah, uh, gosh, he was in Twenty Four. Yeah, yeah. The, I did not
1: pick it up until I saw the older dude. guy with the white hair. Yeah, James Morrison. James Morrison. There you Bill go.
2: Bill Buchanan in Twenty Four. There you go. Yeah, yeah. He's he has a very. Uh, uh, recognizable voice. Yeah. Um, but I, anyways, I just, I liked his, uh, and I just know so many guys like that, like gun nuts. <laughs> like when he, when the gun goes off, he's like, Hey, brother, are you okay? And <laughs> like he calls him brother. I was like, That's such a, <laughs> that's such a thing to say. Yeah. For, oh my God. I,
1: yeah. I, I feel like I, um, the, so I've been really like, really um i've been trying to be really thorough with my reviews and everything mm-hmm. and my review of the blue scorpion i got i feel like that's the one review i got kind of carried away i haven't received any emails about it or anything mm-hmm. but like there's a moment at the end when when he the brilliance of this episode for me and it's my it's my number 5 but i think i it deserves to be higher up but the the brilliance of it to me is that it is A character story first, and then it has its message kind of buried underneath it. Um, and that message is, it could have, it could have easily been like a gun control kind of story. Right. But they didn't do a gun control story. Instead, they did this disturbed man flirting with the unthinkable. Mm -hmm. And that led to kind of the fetishization of inanimate objects that are meant for
2: destruction right
1: And like the the romanticism and the fetishization of like guns in in our society and everything like yeah. this like he very clearly was there to kill someone and then he ends up you know the gun ends up firing independently and killing another Jeff right um, but the point in the episode in my review where I kind of got a little carried away um, was that When you, if you freeze frame it on the newspaper clipping at the end where it's like celebrating, um, Jeff as a hero, um, I like, I freeze framed it and read it and like (laughs) made notes and everything (laughs) because that's where I am in my life. But, (laughs) uh, but I mentioned that like it's so indicative of a certain type of person who is all about guns. Like yeah. anytime there's like a tragedy or anything like in in the article it says like, we like police representative says that, um, well, we're really thankful that Jeff was there and had a handgun and, and was at the right place in the right time and was exercising his right or whatever. Um, and had a gun and everything when like the real story is that he's there to kill someone right because he's at the lowest point of his life. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I kind of took that to be was indicative of like just the culture of gun gun ownership that like the whole idea of like oh well you know you need it for self-protection and everything and like i've been on record saying like okay i like i had there are people in my life who at some point have like basically badgered me into like getting a gun or whatever yeah and like because it's my it's my constitutional right it's like even before i was like diagnosed with like depression and stuff like i know (laughs) that like my like i can't i it's not responsible for me to have a gun because Literally, my chemical, like, my chemical makeup in my brain makes my mind occasionally, if it's, if, like, occasionally not behave in a way that I, you know, should. Like, it, it's just, it, I have downer days and everything. Not to say that I would ever, like, use a gun for anything, like, unthinkable, but, like, if I can't trust my own mindset, like, there's no fucking reason why I should have a firearm mm-hmm. and everything. But the thing, the part in the episode where I got kind of carried away, um, was that I got onto a rant about how after the Dark Knight Rises shooting, um, people, like, I saw people on Facebook saying, like, well, uh, if someone had a gun in that theater, a lot less people would have died. And, like, that's patently inaccurate. Like,
2: no, it's super dark in there. Super dark theater,
1: opening weekend the guy had gas grenades
2: he didn't even have to aim
0: yeah like Just, yeah. yeah yeah. and
1: like i said like if you like in the episode i said if you legitimately think that then go fuck yourself and i mean that <laughs> like sincerely yeah and now that i'm recounting it i don't i i'm not gonna apologize but i don't care like that's that's how i feel yeah and i've said it twice on this podcast but um but yeah and also i think you'll appreciate this i said in the episode that uh you know and i i've known a lot of people that are that are responsible gun owners and that are that are like that are very like even headed about it and everything i've also known some of the dumbest people in my entire life who are gun nuts yep so we've yeah. worked with them yep exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so anyway uh, back to you what well I, what'd you think
2: I agree with that um, but I I do have I have a concealed carry permit and I mm-hmm. I do carry from time to time but one place that I always carry is like movie theaters oh yeah and it's because it's it's a legitimate and I acknowledge I fully acknowledge this it's acknowledge this it's like a paranoia fear mm-hmm. because of media coverage of those events oh, yeah. of the, the uh, Batman shooting and stuff mm-hmm. like that Um and it's it, it, not like every time, but like when I went to see Endgame, I was like, "This is a big right. headline-grabbing show. Like somebody could want to get famous and bring yeah. a gun to this, start shooting people up." And I, it makes me feel better to have it, and that's that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I do I I agree with it. I I know people who are just they are chomping at the bit for somebody to do something so that yeah. they can pull out their gun and shoot them. Yep, And that's, that's scary, yeah. frankly.
1: And like, I, it's funny because like, I know that you and I differ on this topic, I think. And like, even Kirsten. A little bit, but n- uh,
2: not as much as you think, well, probably.
1: Okay. Well, like my whole thing is uh, like, okay, it, I went on a rant about this in the episode, so sorry for the repetition, but, <laughs> um, uh, if you have to get, A license to operate a motor vehicle, like you should have a license to own a firearm. Like you have to pass a test. Like that's. I agree with that.
2: It is easier to get a concealed carry permit than it is to get a driver's license. Yep. That is a ridiculous statement. Yep. I agree with that hundred percent. I'm I'm a gun nut, but there are well, sort of, but like there are a lot of opinions I have that would. Piss off, real gun nuts! Like I,
1: (laughs) I'm a gun nut. We're sort of, well, sort of. What are you doing this weekend?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) What's your number two favorite episode of this season? Um,
1: um, but yeah, it's it's one of those. Like I, I had a conversation with Kirsten, one of the the recurring co-hosts on Obsessive Viewer, um, about gun control and everything. Like she's super liberal and everything, right? And I was like, like I said, I told her about like you know having depression and stuff, and I'm like, I like. People like me who have a diagnosed, like, mental illness, even if it's mild like mine is, like, mm-hmm. we should not be able to have guns. Like, right. That's just, point of fact, that, that should not be a thing.
2: Should be a red flag at the very yeah, least. exactly. Yeah. Like, th-
1: we should not be legally allowed to obtain a firearm. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it, yeah. And there are people who have much, much worse, like, mental disorders than what I have. Mm-hmm. But it's like,
2: it's just like, like that should be just so obvious but it's yeah. not so and i have heard people say i believe that every man woman and child should should own and know how to operate a firearm yep. i've heard people say that yep more than once
1: uh one of the aforementioned dumbest people i've ever met yeah <laughs> um said that uh <laughs> said that uh Something to the effect of, like, every eight-year-old should be able to, like, yeah. should know how to fire a
2: gun. Jeez. Or something, so. It's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, like, there's there's there are some opinions that I have that I know that we disagree on, but, mm-hmm. like, like those those kids from Parkland who created their own organization and stuff yeah. like that, I probably agree with, I'd say, 80, 80 to 90% of what those kids mm-hmm. are touting and, yeah. and putting out there. And I agree. So, like i i'm an i'm an exception be like i I happen to be a member of the nra if (laughs) you pulled the nra i would be the exception right but still i am trying to defend myself as a semi-rational person Mm. so but yeah i am going to spend the entire weekend shooting guns so (laughs) (laughs) but that's Uh, not a typical weekend for me yeah so Uh,
1: so like in 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 that same thing i'm so excited about this uh (laughs) on that same note like you like not only are you going to spend all weekend shooting guns you're going to be like you're going to be in is it ohio ohio yeah. okay so you're going to be a traveler i uh, am <laughs> to ohio uh so you're number one Are you yeah with the blue well quickly
2: oh. i loved the um the the scene where he fires the gun for the first time okay because that's a that is a real thing like i i never had anyone in my family who owned firearms. And so I never had any exposure to them Mm -hmm. until I was like 18 or 19. And ironically, the first gun I ever fired was your brothers. Oh, wow. Like your brother taught me how to shoot. And I went shooting for the first time with, with Ray. Mm -hmm. And like, I was like super nervous and like, Oh man, what's this going to be like? And it just, and, and like I pulled the trigger and I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. That's, that's what that is. That's a lot of power. Okay. And like I kept going like I just really enjoyed it. And like that's what I enjoy about it. I enjoy the the, the uh, engineering and the sporting of it and the recreation of it. Yeah. I'm not necessarily all about the the right to bear arms and all that stuff. Right. That's not necessarily my enjoyment of of firearms. And so in the episode, the emotion or the 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 the, the, the facework of Chris O'Dowd when he pulls that trigger for the first time I was like that is perfectly exactly how (laughs) it is that is for people who become gun nuts or who like Mm. firearms that is exactly how you feel because it's like that like wielding that power like that's a real thing and it's sort of it's a little obnoxious and a little douchey but it's Mm. a real thing it's an actual emotion or a a reaction that you have to that much power and it's it's not addictive i'm not addicted to it i actually don't go shooting very often right. but it's a it's a very it's just a cool notion and it's something that i think a lot of people who are like me have that moment mm-hmm. and like you don't really see that moment in movies hardly ever like like sometimes or like if you see it as in a comedy and it's like it's a joke yeah and it's not it's not taken seriously at all but i just loved the way that scene was depicted because I was like, I know exactly how he feels and that is a perfect <laughs> depiction of that moment. I of love that the music moment. in
1: that scene too. I thought it was scored very well. Oh, I can't remember the music. Yeah. Um, um,
2: so yeah, I just had to say yeah. that. I, nice. I liked that, that part of it really well. so yeah. So and you're I'm going
1: to be a traveler and yeah. go to Ohio. So, uh,
2: I think the gun was a uh, Browning High Power, by the way. Oh, okay, cool. Just to put that out there.
1: Nice. Yeah. Are those notoriously afraid of sunlight or afraid of, dark, <laughs> of
2: the dark? Um, no. It's a very old gun, very mm. kind of a popular gun. Okay. Yeah. So I'm one of those people who it's douchey as hell. But anytime I see a gun in a movie, I'm like, oh, that's a an Israeli-made G36 or whatever. Like I try to. Eh, it's your interest. it's uh, your hobby. It's, it's silly, yeah. yeah. But um, anyways, anyway. So blue scorpion liked it. Number two. Yes. My number one was A Traveler.
1: I'm so <laughs> pleased by that and interested.
2: So really, go okay. Ahead. So I think I think. For me, this was the most Twilight Zony episode of okay. of the season and i I just loved the twists and turns that it took. I wasn't sure if it was gonna go like a full-on sci-fi way or if it was gonna be more of a mysterious type thing mm-hmm. and like this is just a mysterious character who has some you know, is he kind of a supernatural kind of thing or and they ended up going this sci-fi route and I was really pleased with that. Um and I love how it wasn't like in your face. I feel like it was all pretty. It was very X Filesy. Yeah, not a, they don't give you like a bunch of monster scenes or whatever, or like you know blatant detail of what the alien looks like. There's a lot of implication and there's a uh, a lot of subtle uh, subtle scenes. Um, and I I really appreciated the the metaphors too, or the you know the whole um kind of the white man oppressing the, uh, the native tribes, the Inuits, yeah. um, was, was a really interesting theme that I, I didn't see coming. Mm. And uh, I talk about isolation. This was a cool, isolated story, yeah. physically, geographically isolated. I think that's... I don't know. Like I said, I've, I said it when we talked about um, Hold the Dark. Mm-hmm. Alaska is a great setting for a story, yeah. any story, because it's just crazy. And
1: that episode was Written or co-written? I, it was <coughs> written fully written by uh, Glenn Morgan, who wrote for X Files.
2: Okay, nice, yeah. nice. And he yeah.
1: also, I want to say, he also wrote Ice, which also takes place in. Oh really? Uh, like Alaskan outpost. That's, that's funny. Episode.
2: That's funny. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, there were there's a lot of things in this episode that appeal to me personally. So it's, there's bias here. I'm not going to say there's not, I think realistically, objectively, this is probably like a third or fourth spot Mm kind of episode, but it just spoke to me on so many levels. Um, it really had an X files feel to it and like the kind of the, um, conspiracy of the X files. It sort of played into that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I just really loved the, uh, Sort of the ending or the last scene where the brother is like, maybe it'll be better with you guys in charge. I was like, man, that's just not, just cause that's not a reaction you see. Right. In this type of story. It's, you know, it's always fear or terror or just, you know, panic, chaos. Yeah. This guy was like, well, he knew exactly what was going on mm-hmm. and he was really calm about it. They fucking had pie together. <laughs> like that is such a, I just did not see that coming.
1: I, you know, and I had such an interesting kind of a, a darker read on that. Um, okay. Maybe I probably read a little too much into it, to be honest. Um, but on the first first hand, I was very much on record. Do you you not listen to the episode now? Not yet, no. Um, I I just the whole recurrence of the pie thing. Like I was just like, shut the fuck up about the pie, please. <laughs> yeah. Like just stop. He was a little annoying. Yeah, he was he was a bit much. Yeah. But the ending where he's like, well, maybe it'd be better with you guys in charge. Like I felt that that was a. A more depressing kind of ending for for the character, because like he is a character who has been like he has opposed the uh, the kind of white man that's right. taken over his land and everything. There's kind of a double meaning there. Yeah, he's been so. I feel like he's been so beaten down by the uh, erasure of his. Is that a word? Erasure. I think so. Let's is go that, with it. Is that a word? His um, <laughs> erasure of his um. Of his like homeland and his identity. Culture. His culture, yeah. his everything. That like when he sees like another entity coming to usurp that which has oppressed his people. He's just like, okay, he's just going to align with this one cuz maybe it'll be better under them. Right. And I just I did, I thought that was a very just kind of powerful ending.
2: That's I didn't pick up on that mm. kind of double meaning. That's a good point. Yeah. I like it even more now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed Stephen Yen as well. Oh yeah, Yun. Yun. Yeah. Uh good good acting on his part. Mm. Um
0: Steven.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: nice.
2: Stephen. Um sorry. Stefan. Um uh he's with a v though, isn't he? Steve. Yeah, yeah. yeah anyways um i hadn't seen i feel like i hadn't appreciated been able to appreciate um greg kinnear in a quite a while
1: same here i think i feel like he's done like a lot of faith-based movies. he has yeah
2: more than one <laughs> mm-hmm. um and i, I haven't i mean i've never been like uh, greg can sucks now i'm not i'm not saying that but right. like i haven't seen him in anything in several years where i was like man he was really good mm-hmm. until i saw this episode i thought he was great amazing as like the completely unaware of how yeah. racist and oppressive he's completely being completely clueless right like, and just yeah
1: he has this drawl to his voice that he does like mm-hmm. he's like when he's like kind of on his on his high horse about like where he's talking about uh I like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher the, butcher but he's like, I'm gonna, uh, the good lord's brought, brought us an honest goodness stranger and we're gonna get a twofer and stuff. Like, he has <laughs> this like, yeah, kind of draw to him that's just like, he's so clueless and it's just, it fits mm-hmm. so perfectly.
2: It does. Yeah. So I just really dug this episode just, like I said, a lot that spoke to me on a personal level. Nice. It was really good.
1: Sweet. Um, yeah, that's my number seven, but I, I, i'll have to redo my <laughs> ratings. uh yeah real quick do you want to recount ten to one
2: yeah ten was the wonderkind nine was not all men eight the comedian seven point of origin six nightmare at 30,000 feet five six degrees of freedom four blurry man three replay to the blue scorpion and one a traveler
1: nice in my top ten our ten was the Wonderkin. Uh Point of Origin was number nine. Number eight was the comedian. Number seven was A Traveler. Number six, Not All Men. Number five, The Blue Scorpion. Number four, Replay. Number three, Nightmare at Thirty Thousand Feet. Number two, Six Degrees of Freedom. And number one, Blurry Man. Now Tiny, I had a whole bunch of stuff, but we're gonna skip over all Okay. <laughs> um so having watched the first season, it has been renewed for season two, thankfully. Um, what do you want to see in season two of the twilight zone? What adjustments would you like to see them make? Are there any actors that you want to see appear or reappear in different roles? Um, how do you feel uh, about season two? What would you like to see?
2: Um, I, I just love the, um, this, that this is like a, a tentpole sci-fi franchise. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like to see some kind of famous sci-fi Actors in it, I think they pulled, like pulled in David Duchovny to <laughs> be in an episode, cool. um, or uh, Gillian Anderson for that matter, um, or just any of the Star Trek actors yeah. from any of the Star Trek franchises. I think would be would be fun. I don't know, just kind of like sci-fi actors, um, mm-hmm. and also TV actors like like Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul from Breaking mm-hmm. Bad would be cool. God, be awesome. um, Terry O'Quinn again, TV sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would be, it'd be great to see Terry O'Quinn and something. Awesome. A bunch of people from Lost. Uh, yeah, those are those are kind of the actors I had in mind. As far as like episodes and plots, I I really don't know. Um, I mean, more like the top four or five episodes from this hmm. season, you know, I feel like I don't know, like I said, I I whatever that element is that that I feel like is kind of missing from this season, I hope they find it in the second season. Yeah. Uh but even if they don't, this is still some really entertaining quality television. Um nice. and I it's funny um we didn't really talk about not much anyways, we didn't really talk about like the uh the mature nature of the episodes, like the oh, yeah. the, the cursing and stuff mm-hmm. like that and um, Fuck yeah. Yeah. There's no like excessive gore or nudity. Right. But I feel like I feel like the cursing and stuff isn't really necessary. Uh, yeah. Like, I feel like in in some instances it kind of takes you out of it a little bit because mm-hmm. it's like, it's like they're, um, it's like they're a, a kid whose parents aren't home yeah. and it's like, Oh my God, guys, we can curse. Let's say it. Yeah. F- fuck. Oh my God. We said it like, that's kind of what it feels like. And it's a little, mm-hmm. it's just kind of juvenile and just not, I'd rather, I'd rather it just wasn't there. I'd, I didn't mind
1: it until a traveler um with jack Mangoyak, the the her brother mm-hmm. um hit like every single line was just yeah. like it was overdoing it like, right it, it was just so just it just it took me out of it yeah and then even like like in the wonderkind people were like loving john larroquette's scene and everything where he's like the president that just lost the election right but like i was just like it's three minutes into the episode, and he's dropped, like, four F-bombs. Yeah. He's talking about a shit-laden diaper that he's eating <laughs> and everything. It's just, like, it's, it's too much. It's just, like, yeah. I, I don't know. but
2: Laid know. it on a little too thick, I think. Yeah. So... I don't know if I mean if it's like a moment of exasperation where the person's like "holy fuck" or like right, like what the, the fuck of, are you talking about? Like yeah. that's different.
1: Like the ending of Replay when she says, "Uh, back the fuck up to the yeah, cops. right." Like that had power behind it. Right. Um. It's also, relevant. I didn't mention this about Blurry Man, but did you? I mean, did you catch any of the Blurry Man figures in any of the episodes? Because he's oh a, no, he not was, at all. Uh, me neither. Except for except for um replay because it's I, it's not like a blurry thing he's just like he's there mm. um but i well that's what i loved about it for a season that is so um that was so on the nose with all of its easter eggs and stuff there are tons of easter eggs to the original series that are just kind of in your face nice um but for a show that was so in your face with that kind of thing um to have them have this running visual easter egg that I think one podcast that I listened to I don't i I don't know offhand which one it was. One podcast out of the like seven or eight that I listened to solely reviewing this series, only one of them recognized one of the Easter eggs and one of in like the blue scorpion. Wow. Or or I think it was uh in Point of Origin. Or I don't know what it was in, but it like they realized that and they just saw like, Oh, that was weird. Like hmm. no one picked up on this running thing of a blurry figure. Yeah. Um I just I love it for that. So
2: That's cool.
3: Yeah.
1: So real quick my kind of season 2 wish list is less emphasis on social commentary and more emphasis on character building and storytelling like the season uh, like um The Twilight Zone as a platform for storytelling is incredible. Like there are some incredibly ingenious stories in at least the first two seasons of the original series. <laughs> um like just if you like go watch uh, another homework assignment for you tiny go watch season two episode like 25 uh the silence like that's an episode that has no science fiction or fantasy elements to it but it is the storytelling is just wonderful it's it's fantastic um and so i want that and i kind of want more ambiguous or open-ended endings um okay like as much as i like nightmare or Thirty Thousand feet's ending uh it would have been better for me if it had ended with the plane just disappearing and just a mystery yeah okay um and then finally and this will never happen um but i think it would be really cool if they took an and <laughs> it'll never happen but it, it it'll never happen with this current format 10 episode seasons this will never happen but it would be cool if they had like Science fiction and fantasy and horror writers write some episodes. Okay, yeah. Like, I, I just think that's one thing in the original series that was so great is it was a platform for, like, unique voices in science fiction and fantasy to pen episodes and everything. Like, Serling would buy scripts from writers and stories from writers. One of the, like, the episode I shot an arrow into the air was, um, the concept of it was this woman approached Serling at a party and was like, hey, what about an episode where this happens? <laughs> and hmm. he's like, hey, let me buy that from you. And then he wrote the script. Wow. Like that kind of thing. I, I want to see. I want to like see that incorporated into. into nice. This. So, yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah. Well, it's freaking midnight. I'm it so is. sorry, Tiny. No, it's all right. <laughs> um, so we both have to get up early in the morning for work and Tiny <laughs> needs to go home. He's not going to stay over. Um, <laughs> podcast slumber party? <laughs> no. Okay. Fourth podcast? I'll uh, pass. So, all right. Well, thank you so much, Tiny, for joining me today on Anthology. Um, once, uh, Go ahead and tell people where they can find you and those other two podcasts you're involved with.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, so you can find uh, – search for the Obsessive Viewer podcast. You can find it on Facebook. You can follow Matt on Twitter for that, at Obsessive Viewer. Um, you can join our Facebook uh, chat group or – What's it called? Facebook? Facebook group. The Facebook group. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if it had a different title. Um, we post things in there and occasionally take polls and post news and stuff. So join that and you can discuss things with us. Um, and then for Tower Junkies, uh, did you create another Twitter for that? I, I did. Remember. Yeah. Uh, Tower Junkies pod. Yep. That's what I thought. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just search for Tower Junkies Podcast, and you can find it across the internets. Um, nice. And you can find me personally. I don't really do Twitter mm-hmm. or Instagram, um, and I kind of have a private Facebook. But you can find yes. me on Letterboxd. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I post the movies I've watched on there. The occasional review, I haven't done very many, but... Uh, I kinda need to do more, but you can find me uh, on Letterboxd at uh, Tiny Person, or Obsessive Tiny. Obsessive Tiny. Obsessive Tiny. I don't even know. (laughs) I can't remember. Mm. So yeah, you can find me there
1: sweet well thanks again tiny and uh yeah uh i look forward to uh maybe having you back on at some point for something sure the kind of concept for this podcast is a little difficult for guests but (laughs) it is uh we'll figure something out yeah uh but yeah but uh yeah so thank you guys so much for listening and that'll do it for this thing next up on the feed I don't know what the next main feed episode is going to be, but (laughs) I have promised you guys, and I will fulfill that promise, I'm going to do three episodes about the new season of Black Mirror. So look forward to that in the coming weeks. I might take like a week off after this. (laughs) Um, But those episodes are imminent. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.
0: Anthology is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to anthologypod.com slash archive. You can also like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod and follow the show on Twitter at ovanthologypod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. Official Anthology merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, can be found in the Obsessive Viewer's Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at anthologypod.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at TeePublic.com. For information about the Obsessive Viewer's annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out ShocktoberinIrvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to ObsessiveViewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at ObsessiveViewer.com, and on Twitter, at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and co-host Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower Series, over at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at TheSecularPerspective.com. Bumper music for this podcast comes courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at Facebook.com slash As Good As It Gets band. You can also find As Good As It Gets music on Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.
3: Kitty!